Dilly King Kong. Your curiosity quest starts here. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the Q Code Podcast. Here for another week of conspiracy. So I figured for my week of the conspiracy, I really wanted to see if I could uh, use this conspiracy of a computer that has horrible graphics, terrible processor speed, um, and it does not allow me to use the background. Yeah, Danny wanted to wait until the week that he talks the most to... uh, Use a crappy, a crummy computer. <laughs> I like, I like crappy better. Crappy, crappy a crummy, like and, a crummy and crappy computer together is a crummy but at least computer. I have it's got a very British vibe. It's a crummy computer. <laughs> <laughs> at, least at least I do have this headset. Yeah, it's a pretty good have headset. headset. What'd you say, Al? At least he's using his full screen. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a sick burn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really understand. Uber. Like, yeah, Chad has the bars on his. He's got the bars. He's got like standard. It's because I'm on the phone. Yeah. yeah. But you know, phone what? was nice, I'm but a- listening back, I sound super echoey all the time. Maybe it's partially because of the room. So I'm hoping this uh, headset will help with that. And two, um, I cut out a lot. I noticed. Do you well, guys notice that at all? Do you know why? It's because you're always talking over other people. So, <laughs> well, if I'm talking over, then you guys should hear me. But apparently, I was talking under other people. Oh, oh, maybe we just always talk over you. Even even the Zoom people are kind of annoyed by how much you talk over people. They've started editing the footage before they send it back to Alan. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, geez, always this guy. <laughs> yeah. So. Anyway, well, yes, we are on our week four of conspiracies, which this week is Danielson's uh, conspiracy, which we'll get to in just a moment. Um, obviously, if you can tell by our backgrounds, except for Daniel's, uh, it's yep. about maybe uh, airplanes or being lost somewhere. Or like in a laundry room, if you're Danny and you've got an iron board for your background. <laughs> Oh, you can see that? <laughs> we can just see the tip. <laughs> just the tip. Ew. Just Wait, tip. I thought you said you got your background to work. What happened? Well, I he did, but, but then he disappeared. I disappeared. Yeah, oh. he's too close to the shade of wall. Oh. He just <laughs> no, it literally completely. said, so there's like a green screen setting on my computer. And so I was like, oh, I got to turn that off because I was thinking I had a green screen behind me. But when I tried, went to turn it off, it said my computer was didn't have a good enough specs to take that setting off and actually just display a background behind me. Mm. And then that's when I said, I literally bought this computer a month ago. It's brand new. It still has all the stickers on it. Well, so does mine. I that's true. That so does my one. old one too. I always keep the stickers on. <laughs> But anyway, yes. So yeah, we are talking about what happened to Malaysian flight MH370. So if you guys can remember a few years back, I don't actually know how many years back was this, Danielson. 
This was six years ago. Six years ago. It was in 2014. So, so this is yeah. probably, I'm trying to think, okay, we did Bruce Lee. That happened in the 70s. Mm-hmm. We did the Beatles. That happened in the 60s. And we did Mars, Life on Mars, which happened when? In the 70s. Kind of for that. It was a bunch of different time periods. That's true. Like, but mostly. the original Viking was like in the 70s, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, Were you getting yeah, so the mine, <laughs> mine, mine is in the 2000s. <laughs> so, mine is the most recent conspiracy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thrown slightly off by Alan's ex- super extended response. So then it just wow. vibe. Because it's like Viking happened in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, had to, he had to think about it. He needed a minute. He did. I was distracted by some out. other stuff. So <laughs> I just heard Viking seventies, and I was like, "Yep." But before we get to that, we do have an opening question. Which, I mean, I've never really had anything with this. But have you ever almost died in a plane or been part of a hijacking? I the actual question is: no. What is the scariest flight you've ever been on? So, oh. <laughs> I was screaming. <laughs> well, I was giving potential like, examples with I was the like, other. That is Why? very specific, and I don't think any of us have been a part of a hijacking. <laughs> I just like how Danny put that as the example, as if that might be a thing that'll like be like, oh yeah, that one time when I was on that plane, <laughs> they wait, the hijackers overtook it, and we were able to take them down before it plummeted into Washington D.C. Anyway, <laughs> I totally forgotten about that experience. Thanks for setting that example. That's what we got on the path. That's why it was so weird when I was reading it. I was like, this is going to be a short conversation. I think all of us will say no. <laughs> but then Trav was like, I've got some stories. <laughs> it's like I've been in several hijackings. I've been the hijacker. I've been the hijackee. <laughs> So, how about you, though, Trav, Cole? What What's your story? What's your scariest? scariest like, I don't know if I've I have a specific one. Um, mostly just because, like, anything that I don't know. I mostly just get scared, or at least a little nervous or tense when the plane lands because, like, takeoffs are usually pretty smooth. Even when you're in the air and there's turbulence, it's not horrible. But when you're going in for that landing, sometimes they don't do it very smoothly. And you're just like, <laughs> and it's, I don't know. It's just the anticipation of it. But yeah, I don't There really is a one. weird, uh, not physical, sightline dynamic, I guess. Sometimes when you're, when you are coming down. Uh, and you're looking out the window, and you keep feeling like we should be landed, right? Because we feel like we're and then, and then you hit. Like I don't know if you guys get that. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> but that's that's all I have. Like I, I don't really have um, anything. I was on a flight once where we had to do an emergency landing because somebody like had passed out on the plane but Ooh, that's spooky that wasn't scary i was just oh. like i was 
I mean, I felt bad for the person. I was almost kind of annoyed because I'm like, oh man, like it takes so long to land and to like take off again. Yeah, where do you have to land? I don't remember. I mean, it was like at an airport, what, but like it wasn't like in a. I imagine. But it was just like at a different <laughs> airport. Yeah, or like the same. So like, no, so we had taken off and we had been in the air for maybe like an hour. And we had to do an emergency landing at some other airport because the person was ill and had passed out. And oh. they, w- they had woken up by the time we landed, but just protocol meant that they had to, you be know, removed from the plane, be removed from the plane. But yeah, I, like I said, I felt bad for the person. I'm glad that they were all right. Like once they were, once they got off of everything, but <laughs> still like, it's like, man, this sucks. Now we got to do all the checks again and wait and line and all that stuff. Wait, you want to get off the plane? No, no. But the plane. Oh, like the check. I see. I mean, the line like, to get back in the air. Okay. Yeah. Cause like yeah, basically when they're off. ready, when they're ready to land, um, when they get ready to descend, that's like a half hour yeah. of them descending. And then it kind of the same thing. It's like 20 minutes, like from takeoff to when they're like, yeah, you can move about the cabin. So like, that's just like almost. Well, like they have this thing called the touch and go. Time. Do you guys know what that is? Yeah. No. So that's when you, Alan knows, but uh, that's when you come in, you fly in and then you just touch your wheels on the ground and you immediately take back off. And so maybe they could have just had like a trampoline ready or something and just <laughs> they just huck the person chuck out the person the out while they so touch like, and go. Get into a ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was why you passed out. So I don't I don't really have much. But you're not doing a touch and go just for the hell of it. You're doing a touch and go because you're like trying to land, but you get crosswinds, you're not level and so then you like just turn up your thrusters again and yeah but it's part of like getting around for another go part of getting your pilot's license is doing touch and goes um alan do you have any stories um i've never like almost crashed or anything or died in a plane crash but hence you're still here I did, yeah. I did get. He's dead. I did get stuck in Atlanta one Christmas because I was on a buddy pass coming back from uh, Japan and could not get on a flight with a buddy buddy pass. So stayed the night in Atlanta, and then the next day still couldn't get on a flight. So I just bought the cheapest ticket possible uh, to get back to Salt Lake City, and it was the Frontier Airlines which is like every airplane is animal themed to a certain animal. And when I got on, there was like a big walrus on the side, painted on the side of it. And then the pilot comes over. He's like, welcome aboard Wally the walrus. Thank you for flying frontier. And I was like, walruses don't fly. This isn't good. We're going to die. I've never heard of this airline before. You've had a cushy life. <laughs> I Al by Alan's theory that airline is severely severely limited with the animals it can use because there's like only yeah. the only bird based animals at this point. 
and bats, I guess. And bats and those flying squirrels. Fly. Yeah, I take yeah. a flying squirrel. Flying squirrels don't fly; they glide. They glide, but at least Better it's kind walrus. Of Alan would call that. He'd be like, "They don't fly; they just glide." You just shut <laughs> those engines off and just slide in. <laughs> so, trap my doll. What do you have? <clears throat> okay, so I've got a fairly scary story for you. Um, okay, so I was flying to New York, and I got on the plane, and it was like. We got up in the air. And it was kind of stormy out, so it was like a little. It was already like a little nerve wracking, you know. There was like kind of, the plane was kind of shaking a little bit, and um, I was like feeling like I'm not like a nervous flyer. I fly pretty well, but like this was kind of making me nervous because we kept kind of bumping up and down and everything. And I was seated in seated. I was seated. I was seated in the window seat, and I lifted the shade, and there was this animal on there just ripping into the wing, and I was like, "Oh my gosh! I better call the stewardess and tell her." Because this was the seventies, and so I like called the steward. <laughs> I was she, gonna say, I don't think you can call him that anymore. <laughs> like, then came, I looked in the mirror, <laughs> and when she got there, there was nothing on the wing. Like, and I like tried to tell her, I was like, there was this animal on the wing. There's something on the wing. And she just wasn't believing me. Okay. Isn't this well, like a? Isn't this like a Twilight Zone episode? It is a Twilight Zone episode. Oh, it is Twilight Zone. He looked in the it mirror, is. and he was either Will Shatner or John Lithgow. There's something on the wing. There's something on the wing. Yeah, no. I the only I don't actually have a scary story. I'm flying. The only. <laughs> when I got your question today, I was like, I don't have a scary story. The closest I've got is um, the other day when I was cut. Well, not the other day. It's been a couple months now, but we were coming back from Spain and we got on the plane and the lady like the row in front of me to the left which is a seat I had been considering she like called the flight attendant and she was like um somebody barfed in the bag and put it back into the back of the seat and I was Ew. like oh, that could have been my seat <laughs> so you, your worst story was just like by proxy like i was yeah. one room away i was i was like so close to that seat wait that? she's like the magazine's also wet now and i was like, Ooh. so wait that whole first story wasn't true no it's just an episode of the twilight zone so <laughs> if I, I was like this sounds very familiar well no i just with with trap my dell Stories like that happen to him. That, like, <laughs> no, that one, that one that, Like no. something exactly the same happened to him. <laughs> no, that one I just that I just made that up. So, so I my I mean I've had some turbulence, um, some stuff like that, like mild turbulence on commercial jets that I've been on. But my dad has his little Cessna pilot's license. Um, which is how I know about the touch and go thing. Um, but he used to fly around a lot. And so he would just call me like randomly and he'd be like, Hey, you want to go fly somewhere? And so one weekend he called me, he's like, Hey, you want to just go like fly to Wendover's uh, airport and back? <laughs> You're like, can we stay? <laughs> we won't be staying. We'll just be merely flying there. We will back. touch. We will touch and go and come back. I think we did end up eating lunch or something there, but we're flying there. You don't remember getting out of the airplane, leaving the airport, and eating lunch somewhere? <laughs> I don't. Well, I think we. Well, we did it a couple times. So I don't remember specifically. <laughs> okay. Which, like what we ended up, and also, I mean, part of it is probably because of the traumatic event 
the experience I had getting there was we go take off. And if anyone, I mean, anyone who's a pilot knows that there's very specific uh, altitudes you can be at and very specific areas in which you can fly in because some of it belongs to like commercial. And then here in the Valley, we also have the Air Force, uh, Hill Air Force Base. So they have certain areas and jurisdiction that you can, that they're, they have for their flying. So he, you have to fly in a certain pattern kind of down by I-15 and cut across the lake and you start heading over. Well, my dad tells me as we're flying out there, he's like, yeah, this plane has been having some problems lately. Like for some reason, like it won't switch over because it's got a, it's a twin turbine, whatever you would call it, like propeller thing. And so there's gas that is supposed to go on each side. Well, for some reason, it'll only use the gas from one side at times and not the other side. And so we're just flying out there and we're coming and we're climbing up so we can go over the Ochre Mountains. And when we get, you know, a couple minutes away from flying over the Ochre Mountains, we're still not quite at altitude that we need to to clear the mountains. The engines just shut off. And so now it's like this eerie, awkward, just silence, just this like creaking of the metal of the plane. And you're just like, and just like like the titanic going down yeah but it was an airplane um (laughs) thanks for the clarification i got confused (laughs) i thought it was in a plane it wasn't wasn't the titanic (laughs) i thought it was the titanic this whole time and so i just remember like internally i'm like this is not good but I'm like, I don't necessarily want to panic either. And I'm like looking at my dad, trying to see like how gauge how he's acting and stuff. In that moment, he doesn't want to offend his father. <laughs> I'd hate to make him Keep upset by <laughs> so, Dad, do you like Dad, I, I don't mean to uh, be a bother at this particular <laughs> moment, but do you know what the fuck you're doing? <laughs> and so then all of a sudden, immediately, I see him get down there, and he just starts cranking something. He's like, cranking, cranking, cranking. And I'm like, he's like, I got to get this to switch over so that the fuel goes back into both sides. Like, so like, cause I think you could dump fuel from one side into the other side so that he could restart the engines. Are you manually crank it to... Transfer, transfer yeah, I, don't, I don't think it was like that you had a man. He was just trying to get the thing to like work or whatever. So we're just sitting there like literally just gliding like in the air. And I'm like, we're getting closer and closer to, I'm like literally looking like, is there anywhere we can just emergency land if we have to? And then finally, all of a sudden you kind of, he gets the gas over to the other side and then you can hear him. like, and then the propellers start up again. And then we're like, he's like, pull up, pull up. And so we flew up and we barely cleared the mountain. And Wait, then we he, went to window. He was Wait, screaming, pull were up? You, were you driving? He let me drive sometimes. But, so, but were you no, driving I, at that moment? <laughs> <laughs> so you were driving at that moment? Who was yelling, pull up? <laughs> All right. So I just added that for effect. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was the it was the red flashing light going pull up pull up like you pull I was trying to imagine the situation in which your dad is like he's in control he's like pull up pull up <laughs> you're like I can't what 
Am I supposed to be pulling up? <laughs> I don't want to offend you, but I'm unsure of what's going on. <laughs> well, because if you guys have ever been in a Cessna, no, like, I w- have never been. I there's will be for those specific reasons. <laughs> there's controls on both sides. Like you can fly from the passenger seat or from the driver's seat. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if you were actually blind. Because here's the thing. If you were in control of that aircraft and the engine shut off, you should have been asking what was going on and not politely <laughs> continuing to coast. <laughs> no, I don't think I was flying at that particular time. But other times I had. There was one time that I was flying back from... Was it Vegas? I think we flew all the way to Vegas once. But fell asleep. Did you have to stop and refuel? Can you get that? Yeah, we had, a, we had a stop. We had a stop. Um, but I like... Like back then was when my sleep apnea was really bad. And so I would just literally fall asleep anywhere, anytime. And so I was flying the plane. And then I guess my dad didn't realize I fell asleep until we were just like... Um, and he's like, Daddy! and I'm like, what, what? <laughs> I would like, never let you fly a plane again. That would be the one time you get to pull that stunt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I'd invite you after that. I'd be like, you are in an airplane, a tiny metal box flying through the air, and you can't keep awake too much for you. I'll tucker it out from your Vegas trip. No, sir, you'd be safe. <laughs> I'd say you guys are over two, okay? I mean, <laughs> he flies, you almost yeah. crash. You fly, you almost crash. I just wouldn't get in the plane anymore. Yeah, I don't even know why you guys are bothering at this stage. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, those are probably the scariest moments I've had. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. Pretty good, yeah. <laughs> but, you know what? Danny, you know what Danny wakes up. Danny wakes up and he's just like, pull up, pull up, pull up. <laughs> See, that's the time that he probably should have shot a pull up because you guys are probably like, man. <laughs> but uh, so what was probably a scarier moment was for the people on the flight. <laughs> Nicely done. Well, well handled. That's my nice, my nice transition. <laughs> well done, Trav. Tuesday. Right, tell, so, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Malaysian flight MH370? 370 that disappeared. Yeah. So obviously, this is my conspiracy. Um, going into the Malaysian flights MH370, and as a quick recap as to why. I mean, obviously, I found it interesting, but the reason that I really picked it in the first place was because at this point in my life, apparently, I had gotten so far removed from paying attention to the news that was happening in the world that I did not know until one week after the flight went missing that there was a flight missing. Like, I had no idea. I was literally at bowling and bowling in a league at the time. And somebody said, so what do you think happened with this missing flight? And I'm like, what are you talking about? What? And they're like, the flight that's been missing for a week. I'm like, there's been a flight missing for a week? And then that's how I realized. And then the next morning, because I always bowled on Thursday nights. 
the next morning, Friday, I immediately subscribed to a news podcast so I could listen to the news every morning when I woke up. And I've done that ever since. So I don't so this was probably Danny. a traumatizing experience for you then. Yes. I just I just want to thank you, Danny, for your honesty and telling that really intimate and personal story about the time you didn't hear the news. <laughs> later heard the news i also like that he threw in there because like he could have said like oh yeah i was bowling once and some guy told me but he's like i was bowling in a league and uh <laughs> on a thursday as on a do. thursday as as we do in leagues. <laughs> so many details like if you were like an editor of a book and you were like reading that transcription you'd be like we don't need this piece of information we don't need this piece of information we don't need this piece of information that would take <laughs> really truly that story should have been like one time i was bowling and somebody asked me if i knew about the malaysian flight i said no and because of that, I now subscribe to news podcasts. <laughs> if that, I honestly don't entirely know. It was such an interesting story. Like, the reason he chose this story is because he didn't hear about it for a while. And then he did later. No, guys, this is how much it hurts. It hurts him to not be in the know. That years later, he devotes an entire podcast to something. So he can show that now he knows. He's in the all about your crazy airline <laughs> flight. <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty true. I do hate not being in the know. Um, but yeah, like, but just imagine, like, seriously, this would be like you go to the store on March twenty fifth of this year, and somebody's like wearing a mask, and you're like, "Why are you wearing a mask?" And they're like, the coronavirus? And you're like, what? What virus? I don't think that is that is all not a fair even comparison. <laughs> the coronavirus has literally crippled our economy and affected everybody in the world. Malaysia <laughs> flight, yes, it was a big deal, but it wasn't like you had to stay indoors or work from home because of it. <laughs> so, or even wear a mask in public. There was nothing, <laughs> nothing like that. It's like a very, very unfair comparison no if you think about it though like if you didn't know say you were just like a hermit that lived indoors never came outside never turned on the news and then you decided to come outside a few weeks later you it would kind of be like you'd be like is this a zombie apocalypse for real because this is how the movie would be weird the movies this is how they start so it is days later it is weird 28 days later, yeah. You came out 28 days later, and then, yeah, you couldn't even go and loot the grocery stores for toilet paper. That's yeah, true. You could loot them for other things. <laughs> Which I, we never got to that point, and so I was a little disappointed, but I was going to get some free stuff. After <laughs> of rioting. Yep. I was like, oh, we were so close. We were within a day or two of rioting. <laughs> I even started rioting just to see if I could get some other people going. But <laughs> Come on, let's break this window. Trav's wife is like, hey, what's this brick next to the front door for? <laughs> just ready to throw at a moment's notice. <laughs> Trav's just handing bricks out to people to buy that's groceries. For I, uh, that's for when I go window shopping. So, like, when do you guys think we're going to talk about Malaysia flight? Or do you think it's just, like, 
hearing, like, what is Danny's conspiracy about how he didn't hear about Malaysia flight for a week? All right, and that was my I conspiracy. Think, so. I think somebody was trying to keep it a secret from me because they knew I would find it if I heard about it. Because I'm really good at spotting things. <laughs> Yeah, you guys gotta stop making me laugh so much because, like, I tear up when I laugh. (laughs) I don't know if that happens to you guys, and I can't read my notes. Okay. All right. So, okay. What I'm gonna do is that the way that I decided to do this, I'm gonna break it down. So, first, I'm gonna tell you guys what they know actually happened with the Malaysian flight, and then we'll go into some of the conspiracy or the theories around what they think happened after what they know happened. Does that make sense? So, mm-hmm. uh, like we said, March 8th, 2014, Malaysian flight MH370 takes off early, early in the morning. I think this is just after midnight. Um, and is headed from Kuala Lumpur, which is in Malaysia. It's the capital city of Malaysia. And is headed towards Beijing, China. That was its final destination. So as they take off, this is the, to give a little background, the Malaysian flight MH370 was a Boeing 777. Are you guys familiar with those? With that plane? It's a big plane. Yeah, so Boeing makes several different planes, obviously, but the 777 is the second largest plane they make, right behind the 747. Um, So because of that, this flight had 227 passengers on it and 12 crew members total. Uh, Two of those crew members obviously made up the co-pilots and the pilots. The co-pilot's name uh, was Farik Hamid. He was just a 27-year-old trainee. This was like his last flight that he was training on and before he became like a full-fledged, like he could fly his own planes and be a captain. And then the captain of the plane was a 53-year-old named Zaire Ahmed Shah. So he was the veteran. He had been flying for a long time. Uh, So that's what you got made up as far as your your two pilots on this plane. Uh, But they go take off. Everything is kind of normal and standard at this point. They get up to about 18,000 feet. Once they get to 18,000 feet, they radio in air traffic control. And they say, hey, we're at 18,000 feet. They say, great. You have the clear now to move up to 35,000 feet, which is, for anyone who doesn't know, is kind of your standard, uh, what would you call it, coasting? Cruising. Cruising. Altitude. uh, Altitude. Exactly. Uh, for commercial airliners. So they get that, they cruise up, they go up to 35,000 feet. So at 101 AM, the uh, Captain Shaw radios back to Kuala Lumpur air traffic control and tells them we're now at 35,000 feet. And they say, okay, thanks for letting us know. And this was a little strange because typically from my understanding, you don't radio in to tell the air traffic control when you get to an altitude you only radio in to tell them when you're leaving an altitude and so they just found it a little bit strange but it's not strange enough to like really care about it seven minutes later at 108 a.m he radios back just to let them know that he's still at thirty-five thousand feet so he's so, clearly he's clearly high <laughs> must be <laughs> he is high he's thirty-five thousand feet high oh. i was waiting for that yeah i was too so, of course, guys, stop me at any point if you guys have questions or if I'm not making sense. 
No, I'm just following along the story. I know. Yeah. It's a good story. So <laughs> anyway, so 11 minutes after he radios in the second time to let him know, hey, I'm just still at 35,000 feet, Kuala Lumpur uh, air traffic control lets him know, all right, you're now leaving our 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 jurisdiction. You are now going to be transferred over to uh, Ho Chi Minh City um, and their jurisdiction. So basically, the way that's typical is they radio into the airplane and they say, uh, I have it in my notes here, Malaysian 370, contact Ho Chi Minh. One two zero decimal nine. Good night. And what the plane or the pilot should say is, uh, like they, uh, I understand switching frequency to one two zero decimal nine Ho Chi Minh City, and then leave the frequency and switch to the other frequency. Well, instead, the pilot just says, uh, "Good night, Malaysian three seven zero," and then just signs off. So again, all these things are like little things that aren't even that big of a deal, like big enough to really, no one would have ever remembered this if they didn't go back later because of the, you know, because the plane went missing. Wait, so they're so just trying to look for any question. little thing. Trav Midell. Is this the junior pilot or the veteran pilot that's calling this in? The veteran pilot. Hmm. That was my uh, question. Good questions, you guys. If you have two of you guys have the same question, that means many of you had some same similar questions, I'm sure. So <laughs> anyway, <check> out. <laughs> so they uh yeah, so once they do that, they get into the new thing. So Kuala Lumpur, they're done. As far as they're concerned, their you know, their job with this plane is done. They've passed it along to Ho Chi Minh City, and now their air traffic control is supposed to pick it up. Well, 37 seconds after they are officially transferred, um, they just disappear off the secondary radar. So they never radio in to Ho Chi Minh City. They never let them know they're there or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> but what happens is there's two different types of radar. There's primary. Oh, how, how long after? 37 seconds. Oh, okay. So there's two diff different types of radar. There's primary radar and there's secondary radar. Primary radar is the type of radar that you guys normally see in movies, right? You guys like watch the movies and they have the little things like, like, beep. yeah, beep. And it's got like the little dots that represent the planes and stuff like that. So that's mm -hmm. primary radar. Secondary radar is radar that is actually used by air traffic control because it's got a lot more detail to it. It tells you like what the type of plane is, what its altitude is, like all that type of information. But to get all that information, it is dependent on a transponder that is on the airplane itself that's transmitting that signal. Well, at 37 seconds after they got transferred, that signal just turned off. So mm. suddenly there was no more secondary radar. It just fell off the radar completely. <clears throat> at this point, <clears throat> excuse me at this point it would have still been visible on the kuala, kuala lumpur's radar but they didn't realize that it disappeared because they were already off working on other planes <clears throat> and then ho chi Minh city did see it disappear and so they just started radio radioing in and trying to get a hold of the airplane but they could knock it through to anybody on the airplane but the standard protocol is they're supposed to let the 
the uh, jurisdiction that transferred the the plane over to him prior. So the, in this case, Kuala Lumpur within five minutes that, Hey, they never checked in. We can't get a hold of them. Do you guys know what's going on? Well, for whatever reason, they didn't let them know. They didn't contact Kuala Lumpur for 18 minutes. It's like almost four times longer than they should have. So this was 18 minutes of time that they could have been trying to locate it, but they just didn't. Okay, so it's 18 minutes of the airplane being able to travel and fly. Well, during this time, though, like I said, if you guys remember, there's radar type, there's primary radar and there's secondary radar. Even though it's not on the uh, secondary radar, uh, Malaysia's Air Force was able to go back and they realized they were able to track like, oh yeah, we can see it on the primary radar. And so they were able to just look and they were able to, Al, if you'll bring it up, the first picture. This might help more. So on the primary radar, they could see where the plane kind of just fell off. So do you guys see where the blue line is? Yes. So for people who aren't watching this, there's like a blue line on here that's showing the actual track that the plane was supposed to be on headed towards Beijing. Well, if you look at the red line, so right before where the red line is, that's where it fell off the secondary radar, but got picked up by the primary radar, and they could see that the plane made like basically like almost like a U-turn, like almost like a 180 turn, and headed back over Malaysia and out towards the Malacca Strait and then out towards the Indian Ocean. So this second plane on the left, that's where the um what'd you say air force or whatever radar picked it up well i they picked it up from where the first plane is on the blue line oh and, and they, they could it all see the they could see that it turned around okay so when the secondary radar went off it was still headed in the right direction it wasn't until after it got turned off that all of a sudden the plane made a u-turn if that makes sense almost sounds like somebody did it on purpose Possibly, you never know. That is one of the. That's part of the conspiracy theory. Teasing it, teasing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Malaysian Air Force was able to track. So, if you look at that red line, um, basically that whole procedure and going back over took just over an hour, and that's how long the Malaysian Air Force was able to track the plane before it fell out of its range. So it could no longer see the plane because it, it fell out of their radar range. Um, and so typically, another issue that happened through this whole thing is once they lost the plane originally, so 18 minutes go by, Ho Chi Minh tells Kuala Lumpur, hey, we lost the plane, what's going on? We need to, like, and they try to figure it out and they could never find the plane, get a hold of anybody on the plane. They're supposed to, within an hour or so uh, contacts. Um, I lost it here. There's a really long name for what they call this Kuala Lumpur's aeronautical rescue coordination center. And they're supposed to let them know what's going on so that they can get involved and start trying to figure out, okay, did the plane crash? Is the plane not like what's going on? But they did not contact them for over four hours. So there's another gap there that, causes problems as far as 
they took way too much time to move to the next step um, and looking for it. So, Danny, I have a question. Yes. Trav. How, how long was this flight supposed to be? So at about that time, about the time that they actually told the uh, coordination center that the plane was missing is about when it should have been landing in Beijing. So the full flight should have been about five to six hours. Okay. So it wasn't until the, basically it should have been there that they're like, well, all right. So we kind of lost it somewhere over the South China sea. So then suddenly seven different countries compile uh, a fleet of 34 ships, 28 airplanes, and they go searching all over like the whole area that the plane should have been flying over in the South China Sea and are looking for, can they find pieces of the plane? Can they find anything that would represent like what would have happened to the plane or whatever? So they go about doing that. Well, four days later, after they've been searching for four days, Malaysia's, Malaysia's government finally comes out with the news that like, okay, we just want to let you guys know that our Air Force picked up the flight on our primary radar, and we could see that it made a U-turn and turned completely the other way. So they were searching totally in the wrong spot until four days later when their prime minister or whatever finally came out and admitted that, yeah, they had this data from their Air Force and that they hadn't told anyone yet. Why would the, why would they keep that a secret for four days? Like, I what, don't know. what do you gain from keeping it a secret that it made a U-turn? Because, I mean, Malaysia, I don't know if they are anymore, but at the time they were like a communist country, I think, which it seems like for whatever reason, they just don't like to tell anybody anything in those countries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know why they kept it a secret, but apparently they did. So that comes out. So now everybody's like, well, now we don't even, we're looking totally in the wrong spot. And so now they start heading over to the other side and they start looking over there. Uh, go to the next slide. So you can see here where this is they they see the flight come and go back and then it comes right towards the back the other way and then they're kind of figure that this is the path that the flight took. Um, so they're starting to try and look over in that area trying to figure out where this plane could possibly be. Um, as you can see on this map and if anyone is listening um, on YouTube, you can see the proposed new crash site. Um, so they start doing their searching there but then a week after the flight went missing so about the time that i found out the flight was missing um <laughs> this is very pivotal this is a very oh. important moment in the, in the story. they waited a whole week to tell danny the flight was missing <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time lost <laughs> uh, so anyway um uh, a satellite company out of England actually has a geostationary satellite positioned over the Indian Ocean. And its job is to communicate with airplanes on a periodic basis, um, checking in for various reasons. But if nothing else, it basically is pinging the plane every so often just to say, like, are you still in the air? Are you still flying? And then the plane responds back with, yes. So using this data, all they can tell is how far away from the geostationary satellite is the airplane. Oh, okay. So there's just so if you go, 
Yeah. So if you go to the next, if you go to the next slide, you can see that there's like these concentric circles um, going around, just kind of like if you were to throw like a pebble into a pool, right? And so each time it crossed one of those lines, it would say like, oh, they would know like, oh, okay. So we know that it's somewhere X amount of miles away or kilometers away from the, where the geostationary uh, satellite is hovering above, which is that mm-hmm. center target area. But they don't know in which direction. Like it doesn't tell yeah. you. It could you be need three satellites to triangulate. Yeah. So it would, it only knows that it's a hundred miles away. It doesn't know if it's a hundred miles away to the South or to the North or what. So they have to basically, all they can do is create these circles. So it's just like, we know at this point it was somewhere on this circle, which obviously could have been a huge area all the way out till the seventh ping. So it got pinged seven times. So if you guys see on that picture where the red line is, that's the seventh circle out. So anywhere on that circle originally is where they figure the plane could be hypothetically, which is like a huge area. You can see it covers like a massive part of uh, the Indian ocean, Asia, Egypt, Africa, like all the, you know, all the way down to almost as far as like Australia. And so they're like, well, we, Oh, this is the information we need. So luckily they had a bunch of researchers and mathematicians come in. They were able to do build some formulas and algorithms and figure out using the Doppler effect um, idea, apparently from science. You guys know what the Doppler effect is? I know it's from science, but, um, it's when a car drives by and it, when it, when the car is coming toward you, it sounds like it, it sounds like it's getting higher pitch. And then when it goes past you, it goes lower pitch. It's like, yep. Yep. What's so, that? I just think that Travis, Trav's definition was pretty good too. It's <laughs> like science. From science. Oh. <laughs> You're like, you guys, you guys know the Doppler effect from science. <laughs> but yeah like the doppler effect basically is a way that they could tell if something's coming towards you or away from you and they can use it with light if i remember right alan this is like alan's one of alan's favorite things so like that's how they know that the universe is expanding because of the red shift right and it's like a product of the doppler effect so i'm sure somehow i don't know the details of it i didn't look into it deep enough to like learn the math behind it but somehow they were able to use that concept and math and figure out we're fairly certain that it was headed in this particular direction um and it crossed the seventh ping line at this time. So then that's the last time it was ping. So they know that had to be somewhere in that range. So if you go to the next slide, you can see kind of their, their thought process of like, these are some of the possibilities that we think um, the, the flight could have taken these various different paths um, depending on like from where they were from the second arc down to the seventh arc when it was ping the seventh time. And then if you go to the last slide, it shows you like their designated search area from basically this is the most probable area we think that the flight would have crashed uh, at. So that's where they decided to focus their effort in searching. Unfortunately, that little like, I don't know what shape you would call it. This arc. Venus. <laughs> Venus. <laughs> 
Penis. Oh, penis. <laughs> that little penis shape um, arc is basically, it's a hundred, it's like over 120,000 square kilometers. And so you would have to search this giant area. So after that, various uh, companies and governments have sent uh, ships out there. They've sent with all these, like all this technology and um, drones and everything. And they've, sent them down to the bottom of the ocean looking for this flight, but they cannot, they couldn't find it anywhere. So that is like basically where we got to. The only other thing to add to that of what we know is eventually over the next couple of years, a few pieces of the airplane that they identified as part of MH370 washed up on various shores around the world. And they were able to say like, okay, like, because like one of the pieces was actually like serial numbered and it matched the serial number of the uh, Malaysian flight MH370. Did hmm. I explain that that well? was that was years after. Um, over the next couple of years, yeah, they were finding pieces of debris, if you will, um, washing up. Because these- that was a big thing. Is when they were first looking, they were saying, "Well." if the plane crashed, we should find an area where there's just like a lot of debris floating around. Yeah. Um, Cause like we talked about when we talked about recycling and like the plastic, what it was like plastic Island just floating around out there on the ocean. Mm-hmm. So similar yeah. type of thing. So, so all of these like Mozambique, Rodriguez Island, South Africa are all those, the places that like debris washed up or are those just, no, I don't know for like I just found that picture. Oh, okay. and I'm not sure what those are. If they're just telling you where, in comparison to everything it this area is, or what it's saying, uh, um, I don't necessarily think it's like where they found things that washed up or anything like that. Um. So yeah. So with that said, that's what we know happened, or at least the information that we have, we can pretty much dictate or kind of narrow down to something along those lines as far as the story goes. So theories behind it. There's a theory that the plane was hijacked. That's just like your classic theory. I think there was one guy on the plane that had like a Middle Eastern name or something like that. And so automatically theorists are like, oh, because this guy was on the plane, then it probably was hijacked. Oh, I thought I got kicked off for a second there. Sorry. Uh, was hijacked. And then they took the plane to Afghanistan and they landed it safely where they took all the the passengers and the crew on the plane and held them hostage. That was their theory. (laughs) So, you know, easy refutals to that is like, typically if there's a hijacking by a terrorist group, somebody wants to take credit for it or else why are they doing it? but no one ever came forward and said like, it was us that did it or we are, these are our demands or whatever. Mm-hmm. On top of that, it would have somehow these hijackers would have been able to like get up out of their seats, like contain everybody in the plane, get up to the pilot, like to the cockpit, break through the security door, which is built to keep out terrorists or keep out people who aren't supposed to be in there and then turn off the transponder within 37 seconds. So that just seems very unlikely. Like they could have done all that in 37 seconds, right? Practice so, perfect. I know, maybe. Well, but I will say, and I'm not going to like, I don't believe this to be that all the conspiracy, but they could be 
holding them earlier and making them say certain things into the radio because the guy was saying things weirdly into the uh-huh. radio, not accurate, which does imply that he could have potentially been under pressure or not really sure how to respond because he was like, you know, being held at gunpoint or knife point or whatever and, and delivered responses that felt inaccurate. So I don't know that they couldn't have broken it. Like I, they may have already broken it and been like, Hey, come on, answer, answer, you know, but I still don't buy this theory because it's dumb. <laughs> yeah. But that is actually a good point. Like that's, I didn't see anybody mention that, but that's kind of a logical point. Like I could totally see where that would explain his weird calls into air traffic control makes a lot of sense. So there's that theory. Um, and you guys can choose which theory you think you guys believe in the most. Um, but then there's the electric hijack or electronic hijacking. So supposedly there was, there's a theory out there that said that after nine 11 happened, the government told Boeing that they need to install software on all of their planes that would allow, um, somebody with the right uh, access to be able to take over a plane and control it remotely in the case that like a future terrorist attack happened and somebody were to hijack a plane again and try to like fly it into a building or something and they could override that and they could remotely control the plane um, and prevent that from happening. So if that's the case, then the theory is, well, somebody got access to it and used it to control the plane. Um, Then at the same time and fly it to wherever their predestined destination was at the same time, they were take over the satellite systems and create like uh, fake pings or spoofed pings to try and throw people off the scent. And so they'd be completely looking in the wrong direction. Right. So that was to what end? Well, again, exactly. You would think that if this was the case, somebody at some point would have come out and said like, okay, we have your plane. We have all the hostages. These are our demands or whatever. And no one ever came forward to let you know. So, but, but I'm just, I like to play devil's advocate here. Oh, you Uh, and well done. Well done. This is my favorite game. (laughs) Travis, Um, devil's advocate. No, I don't. Well, I feel like the other trap. Um, Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, no, I just said I, I, I played Devil's Abbey, but I don't hate it. Um, I mean, there is a potential, though, that, like, what if they were just experimenting to see if they could do it before they attempt something larger that might be in a, like, a more place where they could actually destroy something? So if you wanted to basically pull off a 9-11 again, you're not going to make your first attempt on the regular plane. So what if it was like, we need to think we can do this and test the system. We're just going to fly it off into a direction, throw some spoof pings and crash it into the ocean just to see if it can be done and then implement it later as a, as a more official thing. Now to shoot myself and my own theory is that it's been six years and nothing's happened since then. So it seems unlikely that that would be the case, but that could potentially be a, a reason why this plane was it was utilized but not yeah had nothing done with i believe what they call that is the long con <laughs> no that's not what it is at all <laughs> long cons when you like become a con artist for like a family or something and you stay for like six months or whatever and then you scam them out of your money that would just be like if anything i guess it'd be like a test con I don't know. I don't think con's even right. I think it's a... <laughs> well, I'm saying the test was done for the long con, and now they're waiting, like, 
25 years. Mm, that's what you're saying. So that people completely forget about it. And then now, they're I, waiting I 25 they years for it. technology to change. I think they were <laughs> going to do the actual uh, terrorist attack in April, but nobody's in buildings anymore. So yeah, all the planes are empty. So they're like, yeah, like they're like, we got to wait. Oh, so their con was like the six year, one month con. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, crap. They're like, Dang it. like six years ago, nobody like, beat us to it. Like, the perfect time will be in six years from now. 2020s prophesied to be the busiest travel year of all. It'll be perfect. <laughs> and it's like hard cut to like 2020. And they're like, gosh, dang it. <laughs> Coronavirus. That's really affecting everybody, even the terrorists. You can see it coming. <laughs> so another another theory is the vertical C theory, um, basically meaning because we just as we just said, a lot of people are like, "Well, where's all the debris? Like, if a plane crashes." with high impact into the ocean, it's going to just basically like explode into a million pieces. And there should be like all these pieces of debris just floating around out there. Well, some people, you know, theorize like, what if the plane came down at a very, like exactly a vertical 90 degree angle and just plopped right into the ocean, just straight in as like, if they were like a high dive diver. Or something like that, you know. I don't think that would that would that still just not slip right into the ocean. I don't think it would do that. I would agree. I still I'd think give it a ten though. If I'd hold up a little sign, <laughs> a ten on it, and they did pull it off. It does like a quick little somersault halfway through. Yeah, and down. Yeah. Oh my! Look at the form on that plane as it entered the water. Very graceful. Hardly a splash. That's how that plane behind you ended up in the condition it did. <laughs> yep, my airplane plane. <laughs> Yeah, like so. Definitely, the wings would have exploded off. Like, because if you watch birds that dive into the water after fish, they pull their wings back. They they pull their wings back. back. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like wings would like shatter on impact. I think that's one of the more dumb theories, and I don't really, but I just added it um, because it was so dumb. Here's one (laughs) that you know. A lot of people got into this is the CIA frame job. I don't know why, but I feel like Trav Cole would just like love this theory because don't you like the CIA? I think you're. <laughs> I think you're thinking of me. I think you're getting the traps mixed up. Oh, do you like the CIA tribe, Meadow? I well, my name's not Meadow, but yes, yeah, like. <laughs> I was like, "What did he say?" It sounded like he said Tramadel. Yes. <laughs> Do you like, like the CIA trap? Trimadi, That's like my that's like my, rap, my Europe, rapper my, name or my European name. I'm like, hello, I am Trimadi. <laughs> this baguette is so delicious. Um, that's what John Travolta would call him. Uh, no, I yes, I wanted to like join the CIA for like a half a minute when I was like. 18 i was like oh, i'm gonna get into the cia and do like counterintelligence and then i just realized how hard of a job that is and how <laughs> i just don't have the personality for a cia job but i actually yeah that so yeah i do kind of remember that phase of your yeah, yeah that's because you kind of encouraged it because you were like you <laughs> should do it because you were going to get in the army too and you were like he's like get yeah. in the army and i told my mom and mom, i was like don't get in the army with danny and i'm like well not like danny just says if i get in the army 
that then I can like switch to counterintelligence. And my mom's like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> and I was like, mm, I think I might. But then I thought better of it. And I didn't. <laughs> you were jealous at first, but then I was jealous at first, but then I was like, yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got it in. But anyway, the CIA frame job theory is basically that the CIA is actually the one who hijacked the plane. And so the CIA hijacked the plane flew it to a base in the middle of the Indian Ocean on a small island called Diego Garcia, um, killed all of the passengers and the crew on the plane, put their bodies into freezers, and then waited several months because in July, I think it was July 17th of 2014, Another Malaysian flight, same type of airplane, was shot down over Ukraine. So they're saying that they actually used this plane, put all the bodies back in the plane, flew it over Ukraine, shot it down just to frame Vladimir Putin. And that's the one. Yeah. Saying that's the one that's correct. That he's the one who did it. And look, you know, he's a bad guy. And then there was the theorists claim that people who went to go clean up the uh, the bodies or to recover the bodies from the plane after it crashed, after it was shot down, were decomposing as if they had already been dead for weeks or months. So that's kind of that theory behind it. So freezing them did nothing. Wait, question though, question. Yes. So first off, wouldn't the serial numbers and stuff on this plane that they've shot down be matching to the lost flight or did they get rid of the plane and put the bodies into an empty flight? No, like my understanding is that they used the same plane, but they went through and they re like serial numbered and tagged everything to be a new number. Cause the actual number of the flight that got shot down was MH one seven instead of MH three seventy. Wouldn't it have been so much easier to just hijack a flight and fly it over Russia and then shoot it down and then, Claim it was Putin, then to like go through so much work to like get a plane and then change it and freeze the dead bodies. <laughs> it just seems like I feel like they could have cut out the middleman on that one a little bit and just been like, okay, instead of landing the plane on the secret island, freezing the bodies for six months, putting them back in, changing all the serial numbers, let's just take the flight we hijacked and just fly it over and shoot that down. Because <laughs> we have to do yeah. all the work anyway. That, you would that have seems to- more logical. You couldn't, like, just kill all the passengers by, like, shooting them. Like, you would have to do it in a way that, like, doesn't leave... Yeah, you couldn't... you have to gas them or something. Yeah. Well... Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that they necessarily thought they shot them. There's, there is theories out there that say that they were already dead um, when they landed the plane. But mm-hmm. I'll kind of explain where that comes in, as there's another theory that kind of goes around that. Well, before you move on to that, I just want to point out that <laughs> if this is indeed the uh, the scenario that is the truth, you know that whoever came up with this scenario <laughs> when they were speaking to the masses or whoever was a part of this started the conversation with, this is a long shot, but I think it'll work. <laughs> 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 in some some boardroom somewhere. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, the pitch for that. Okay, okay. Stick with me. Stick with me for a minute. Take you out a little. 
<laughs> You're going to wonder where I'm going, but I promise it's going to come around in the Full end. Full circle. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take this one random flight. <laughs> but yeah, so there's that theory. There's the Asian Bermuda Triangle theory, which, and the next few theories are a little bit more out there. Um, but this is a theory that's, hey, the area that the plane, we think the plane crashed in, is actually on the exact opposite side of the Earth as the Bermuda Triangle. And they call that the Asian Bermuda Triangle. And hence, because it's completely on the opposite side of the Earth, it would have similar effects in causing airplanes and ships to disappear. So the Bermuda Triangle's antipode. Yes. You would almost think, though, if it was the anti, that planes and boats would just pop out of nowhere out of the like into existence but um but yeah apparently that's their theory (laughs) to rebuke that theory apparently the area that the plane was they supposedly crashed or lost in is not on the other side at all of where the bermuda triangle is so like that kind of kills that theory I think the guy who came up with that theory is like the same guy who like was in his backyard as a kid and he's like, I'm going to dig to China. Like that's like the same thing. Like, <laughs> where they like flash like 20 years later. He's like, it landed in the opposite of a, the Chinese Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> he's always thinking China's on the other <laughs> side. <laughs> he's always just like opposite of the, I'll tell you what happened. We're in the Asian Washington DC. <laughs> Asian Bermuda Triangle. It's like the real, it's it's like regular Bermuda Triangle, only smaller. <laughs> it's like, it's like an isosceles triangle. <laughs> it um, likes rice. Okay, that's a little bit too. Yeah. <laughs> the, Whoa, took a close enough. <laughs> if you were to dig down through like the United States, wouldn't you just end up in like the middle of the ocean on the other side? Alan, do you know? Did you not see the movie The Core? I feel like that was all explained there. (laughs) What's the movie that they. Yeah, I think that's Hillary Swank. What's the movie? No, I think my uncle was an extra in that movie. Yeah, he claims he was. I watched the point that he said he was in it, and I do not see him. (laughs) So I think he's, he's. Telling you tall tales. It's like when they're traveling down into the earth towards the core. Like you see him, he's just like in there mining. Ching, ching, ching. He's like one of the seven dwarfs. (laughs) He was like, hi ho, hi ho, (laughs) home for work we go. (laughs) You have to like slow it down frame by frame. Yeah. yeah. Um, another theory is that it was an alien abduction, that some kind of alien ship came down and just, of course, just snatched them right out of the air and then took off with them and took them to their home planet or wherever that is, but still allowed a few pieces of debris to wash up. (laughs) That, that theory though is like more believable than some of these other theories we've had. (laughs) Like some of them have been so weird. And so bizarre, like the opposite of the Bermuda Triangle, Asian Bermuda Triangle. I'd buy this alien one over that for sure. (laughs) That's true. Um, I mean, at least it's like simpler. It's like a cleaner theory, huh? Um, So here's another one, zombie plane theory. This is the one that kind of goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago. But do you guys know what a zombie plane is? 
I mean, I'm putting the pieces together that it's like a plane full of zombies, but I'm just kind of <laughs> speculating. <laughs> it's like that movie Snakes on a Plane, but it's just zombies on a plane. <laughs> Somebody gets these zombies on this mother effing plane. <laughs> yep, it's another Samuel L. Jackson joint, but um, a zombie plane is basically uh, at times in, in history, there have been a few times where actually a plane will depressurize. Uh, for whatever reason. Um, and if a plane is up at 35,000 and it depressurizes, it's going to cause hypoxia. hypoxia, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's why the mask comes down in emergencies on planes, that you have oxygen in there. Apparently, though, the amount of oxygen that you have available to you lasts like 10 to 15 minutes, and then that's it. Like, there's no more oxygen. Um, they say the reason for that is because, well, hopefully within 10 to 15 minutes, you're at a low enough altitude that it's not going to be a problem anymore so you're saying instead of pull up pull up at that point they're dive dive dive, dive. <laughs> daniel dive daniel dive get to the oxygen <laughs> so if the whole if everyone on the plane passes out from hypoxia and or dies from hypoxia and the airplane is in autopilot mode they call that a zombie plane because nobody's actually there alive or conscious flying the plane. The uh, plane's just flying itself and it just literally will fly around until it runs out of fuel. And then so that's kind of like people were speculating like, well, maybe it was something like that happened on the plane and it became a zombie plane and it just flew until it ran out of fuel. Well, I think nowadays they would have something that like if the whole cabin just depressurized, it would send out a signal to air traffic control or something. Yeah. Maybe it does now. I don't know. But, um, but to the people that rebute this theory are rebuted because they're like, if it was on autopilot, this thing happened, it wouldn't just bank and do like a 180 and then do all these weird, you know, kind of turns and maneuvers and then fly out like that. So like that just doesn't seem likely because autopilot wouldn't do that. It seems like for whatever reason, the plane was intentionally being taken where it was taken. So when I don't know if anybody knows the answer to this, but when a plane's in autopilot, like can you still do anything with the controls? Do they work at all? Like if somebody you have to take like, it off out and like landed on the steering wheel and like <laughs> no, because I think when it's like, an autopilot, oh. the controls don't work because it's autopiloting. But then when you take, you have to take it off autopilot and put it in manual to actually fly, like control it again. I like um, Alan's theory. I like the idea that the guy just fell asleep on the steering wheel and it was like, <laughs> just like flying around the country, zigzagging every which way. It's like a Benny Hill. It's like a, a drunk. Yeah. Um, this one Alan's going to love, the black hole theory theory that the tiny black hole just opened up right next to the plane and sucked it right in. Um, why don't you tell us why that wouldn't really be possible, Al? What? Why don't you tell us why that wouldn't really be a very viable theory? Well, because the only black holes that theoretically can spontaneously pop into existence are microscopic black holes that will literally evaporate within a fraction of a second and they like they can't they don't have enough um energy or gravitational pull to like just suck a whole airplane in because they're literally like 
the mass of an atom or a molecule. Yeah. So let's say hypothetically a spontaneous black hole did occur that was large enough to suck in a 777 Boeing airplane. The problem with that is it would just defy uh, physics and the fact that it would not was, just suck in just yeah. the airplane. So yeah, the entire, can, that section of Earth would be gone probably. Yeah, so we can rule that out as a possibility. Uh, finally, and where did you get like most? Was there just like some website called Kindergarten Theories on <laughs> where this like all these theories are like maybe aliens did it, maybe a black hole opened up and sucked it in. There's like zero thought given to these theories. Like even like ten seconds worth more of thought. Like no, that that doesn't make any sense. It's just like it's like as if like a kid just made it up. It's an Asian Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> like you said, that was a full grown man who yeah, tried was, to dig to Asia. That was the teacher. That was, he's like, Maybe it's a Bermuda Triangle. And the kid's like, What happened near Asia? And he's like, Could have been an Asia Bermuda Triangle. And if you just had a black hole pop into existence that's powerful enough to suck in a whole airplane, it would create such a a massive amount of heat energy and like gamma ray bursts that it would pretty much light our atmosphere on fire. <laughs> well, well also, and there'd be so much gamma ray that you'd get a bunch of hulks. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but also, <laughs> bit of like all, our, all our detectors would immediately detect it. We have but gamma ray even... detectors all around the world uh, because we put them up when we were doing um, during the cold war. So we could try and detect the nuclear explosions going off like nuclear tests after the whole like treaty to stop nuclear testing. So, but also this one couldn't just slip a black hole past us. Um, (laughs) Trav, my Dell do not, do not interrupt Alan when he's talking about gamma ray detection. I know he's got. He will not I feel stop like we talking. Have to, like, I feel like we have to like wrangle him in, or otherwise he's going to be like the Mars. The Mars podcast will just start over. This one. <laughs> hey, wait a minute! You took it over. Um, but this theory doesn't account for the travel either that the plane did. Like, because if the black hole just opened up, it would open up on their route and suck them in. It w- they wouldn't go for a U-turn drive around. <laughs> Unless the pilot was like, what's that? And like flew back to get a closer look. <laughs> but like, it doesn't account for anything. So. It's like, <laughs> I, I did you see that black hole back there by Malaysia? <laughs> look at that. Let's, let's go, go back, closer let's to go back and check that out. If you look up the right hand side of the window, you can see a giant black hole. And let's see if I can get real close to it. Then we can see what's it's oh my gosh. And then they're like insected. I guess. I guess if there was a black hole, it could explain the sudden U-turn, because now it's all of a sudden being sucked that way. But it'd be like and, sucked that way and then pulled like hundred and fifty miles or whatever. Well, and then and like nothing else was affected in that area. And then it could uh, explain like they're them just dropping off like transmit like they couldn't get a hold of them because black holes suck in light, which all radio is just like a form of light. Alan yeah. really yeah. wants it to be the black hole theory right now. Before it was just ridiculous, but now you know what that I'm thinking about and I think <laughs> science can explain it. I've got it, guys. Black hole. <laughs> 
right, what's the last one? All right. So alternate dimension theory and the Mandela yes. effect is what I got. Yes, this. this is the one I was hoping would come up. Yes. Me too. I figured I figured you would. Is that what uh, Lost was? What? Like an alternate dimension? Well, it's, it, I don't understand. To describe yeah, I don't understand Lost still. Like I watched it, but it I'm still somewhat confused. Um, but yeah, so the Mandela effect refers to a situation in which a large mass of people believes that an event occurred when it did not. So that's what the Mandela effect is. So the theory behind this is suddenly after this whole incident took place, like a couple of years later, people started coming out of the woodwork and just being like, wait, what are you talking about? It took like this happened two years ago. This just happened like eight months ago. And then, so like there was enough people that came out and said, no, like I swear it only happened eight months ago, not two years ago. And they remember like this Island that happened to be in the middle of the Indian ocean, right where the airplane supposedly crashed. And they're like, well, has, did anyone check that island? And then turns out that island doesn't even exist. So the whole theory is... <laughs> the whole theory is that uh, apparently like another dimension opened up. The plane flew right into that dimension and then they just really landed safely on this island that doesn't exist in our dimension and that's where they are to this day. Wait, so why do a bunch of people still in this dimension know about the island or because of the Mandela effect. So you have like a situation where I think like space time just splits off into two different dimensions. Cause it's always branching off into mm-hmm. new realities. And some people remember like an alternate reality um, when others don't. So I, that's I don't the, know the Mandela effect. I don't know much about, alternate realities or how that necessarily relates to this. But I do find the Mandela effect uh, effect super interesting. Like, um, have you heard of like the Bernstein bears example of that? Yeah. Where people, the, wasn't it called something like it was spelled differently or something. Everyone said it was spelled with an E it was Bernstein bears, not Bernstein bears, which I am one of those people. I swear on my life. It was Bernstein bears with a knee, but it's not. I've got it right here. It's Bernstein, Bernstein bears. With an a. And it's always been that way. But I swear it was Bernstein bears with a knee. Yeah, no, there's like a ton of people that think that it was spelled with an E. Yeah, you that's Google where it, yeah, it's like crazy. All sorts of people think it was with an E, but it's also because I guess people thought Nelson Mandela died, right? That was like where the name came from. Is that a bunch of people swear up and down that he died? That, he that would died. make sense as to why it's called. I didn't. I'm and not sure why, why it's called, called the Mandela that, yeah. effect. Is because people like swore up. There was like a whole huge chunk of people that are like, "Oh no, he died years ago," and everyone's like, "No, he didn't. He's still alive." And they're like, "No, I remember very distinctly." And the other popular one is... Isn't he dead um, right now? Well, he's dead. <laughs> I believe he's dead now, but he wasn't at the time. Oh, okay. But then the, the third... So Bernstein Bears, Mandela, and then the third popular one is um, Shaquille O'Neal starring in a movie called Shazam. It's like, <laughs> like... Everybody... There's like a huge chunk of people that insist he started a movie called Shazam and they saw it. And then, <laughs> like... It's like a huge, it's like a big old thing. So I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about, Trav. Like, hey, he wasn't though in a movie Shazam. It was Kazam, wasn't it? I know, but there's like, a, I mean, thousands of people who think there's a movie called, called Shazam. Shazam. 
There is a movie Shazam. Well, I know, but not that one. And it's not doesn't have Shaquille O'Neal in it. And it does have Shaquille O'Neal in it. Anyway, the Mandela effect is a very interesting theory. No, the alternate well, we reality. Do, we could do like a whole episode on the Mandela effect sometime. Um, I feel like I just did a good job. It's done. <laughs> <laughs> I can move on. But yeah, so like that's the whole idea behind the Mandela effect, and I believe like I mean like the Bernstein Bears example. People like I swear I'm gonna dig out my copy from when I was a kid, and it's gonna say Bernstein Bears on it. And then when they find it, and they can or they never can find it, then the whole idea is that well, the Mandela effect also causes all the evidence to be erased from existence. So like if you did have a copy of the book, it would just disappear into nothing. I don't think I don't think that's exactly right though because i don't think the mandela effect actually the mandela effect isn't anything science fiction the mandela effect is merely the idea of like a general belief by a lot of people that isn't true the science fiction component of like an alternate dimension or being erased that's like an added on to on top of an already existing theory oh you're right it's called the super mandela effect I don't know if that's true. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but like the idea like that the, the Malaysia Airlines landed in an alternate reality would not be the Mandela effect. The Mandela effect is, effect is the idea that people believe that it landed on an island. All sorts of people believe it even though it didn't. Yeah. The, the well, they believe that it happened is the alternate eight reality. months ago and that it landed on an island that so, was there. Hang on. So is it? are you saying that you have your two different separate dimensions and then somehow they connect for a brief period of time and like some of the people uh when they disconnect some of the people from this dimension get left in this one and then those same people from this dimension get transferred to the other one so now there's that group of people that are really from the other dimension that now think all these things from their original dimension but they're in a different dimension now. Does that make sense? What I just said? Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. I mean, there's, I don't think there's like a real right answer. Can you guys use the leftovers? Wait, no, I want to watch the leftovers. It's on good. My list. It kind but of reminds me of that. Let me, let me see. So I think there's like, let me use flash comics to walk through what I think. So thank flash you. Says, I was about to bring flash up. But. Oh, were you? <laughs> yes. Flash says that like our universes vibrate at different frequencies, right? So like yeah. one's vibrating at this frequency and one's vibrating at this frequency. And that's what keeps them separate. But occasionally they can sync up to the same frequency, which means that they overlap for a short time and become essentially one. Now, in the comics, now in the comics, that usually leads to like something chaotic, like dinosaurs being in the streets or Nazi mm-hmm. versions of Nazi America meeting regular America. But maybe in this world, it's not that they, they just, when they overlapped for that moment, the plane both landed successfully and did not land successfully at the same time. Oh, and then when they, they separated back out, Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. But when they separated back out, they're left with, you're left with people who have memories of one event and people who have memories of another event. So over in this alternate reality, there'd be people who'd be like, no, I swear it crashed and we never found it. And they'd be mm. like, you're dumb. It actually landed on an island, and there'd be like a podcast of us four being like, "What a dumb theory that these people think it crashed and never, <laughs> never got founded or never got found." So, like, I think maybe that's like the idea that just for a short time, this is an overlap of our universes where it both crashed and did not crash, and then therefore people are left with like the memories are like kind of what you 
what ha- what frequency you were sort of vibrating at that you picked up that piece of information. Yeah. I think basically what you're starting to bleed into is like string theory um, to a certain extent where you have like, oh, it depends on the theory, but I think some theories have like 11 dimensions. Others have like 24 dimensions or 26 dimensions or something like that. Yeah, but that's overkill. Yeah. But, but man, if I had a nickel for every time you mentioned string theory, <laughs> you would have, I'd have like a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a bit of only five cents. A minute, so. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, that's, that's, that's kind of the last of the uh, crazy, crazy uh, theories. Um, but ultimately the most likely outcome the theory that most specialists believe in um, or think that really happened is this last one. And it's basically, they think that Captain Shaw went rogue. Um, he decided to commit suicide. And when he committed suicide, he's going to take everybody on the plane with him. That's um, selfish. That's like a dick move. I know. Yeah. I know. And so the reason that partially, I mean, it, it explains a lot of the different things things that kind of occurred um, through it, the way that he was kind of acting weird on the radio. Um, But also this is not unprecedented. Um, There have been other planes that the pilot has gone rogue, ended up wanting to commit suicide and killed everybody uh, in the plane with them. There was actually a flight. This one actually happened after um, this one, but in 2015 uh, German Mm -hmm. wings flight 9220 or 9525, uh, the pilot of that, like the co-pilot of that actually uh, was suicidal. He was deemed uneligible to fly, but somehow he was still allowed to fly. And then he ended up flying the plane right into the side of a mountain, killing everybody on board. So it's not like, didn't, it, didn't it crash in like this Alps or something like that? Swiss Alps or probably. Yeah. I, I mean, I saw some pictures of it just like looking through recently and I, I didn't specifically look which mountain, but yeah. It kind of looked like it, and it was the side of a mountain. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they. So the question is like, okay, well, why would he commit suicide? Because a lot of people were like, no, he was like a pretty like chill guy. He was, he didn't seem suicidal. He was really nice. But after authorities did some investigating into the crown, they found out that he actually was recently caught cheating on his wife. His wife then left him. Um, took the kids and then the woman, the mistress that he was cheating with, he actually like fell in love with her and her kids. And then when she found out that she was the mistress, she also left. And so now he was all alone, super depressed. Um, So that would explain maybe how he got to the point where he was suicidal um, in that spot. Then they went to his home and he had a flight simulator Uh, program on his computer and they could see like all of the simulations that he'd done were full on like from takeoff to landing wherever he was going and he ran through the whole simulation but there was one simulation that was not fully completed and it was a simulation where he took off from Kuala Lumpur and then it just skips forward um, several hours into the simulation and just goes to a point where he's just flying over the Indian ocean to the point where the plane runs out of fuel. And then the simulation ends. So they found that was kind of weird that he would have that specific simulation on his computer that he ran. Um, 
the guess is that he ran that simulation to find out like roughly where would I be when the plane ran out of fuel if I were to do this, right? Maybe he just like the pizza guy came and he got distracted and started eating pizza. Maybe. Yeah. He's like, there's a friends marathon on TBS and like sat down and the next day was like <laughs> several hours later and he was like, uh oh. <laughs> oh good thing that wasn't the real one <laughs> it's like i really like that joey that joey's <laughs> like a real funny this, guy yeah. this weird american named alan you're basically saying that like when when the flight took off this for the for real this time somebody turned on friends and he was just like oh shit <laughs> no, <So> there, <laughs> <laughs> did you guys hear that friends is on he's a he's dig it He's well, in the like, back, like watching t- friends with the passengers on the little backseat screen. He's like, This is the one where Joey only talks about things that start with V. <laughs> so like when he gets when he gets out of his seat in the cockpit, like his bum just like knocks the the controls and that's what causes the U-turn. And then <laughs> I like how you guys have taken this like little like half-hearted joke I made into like a full reality of how he practiced. <laughs> wait, so wait, was there anything else? Is there anything else around that one? That, that so yeah, so that? then, so with that damning evidence, as far as that side of it goes, oh, okay, easy. They, they feel like, okay, so Shaw, um, because he had a co-pilot that was a trainee, he was probably easily influenced. So probably whatever Shaw told him to do, he would just do it because he's trying to make a good impression. Cause like, this is like literally his last training flight. So he could have easily just told the trainee, Hey, like, can you go in the back and do something for me or go ask like, uh, as Travis as steward is, but as us in the 2020s call it flight attendants. I just did uh, that cause it was a twilight. Zone <laughs> no, I know. I, totally, not actually I know. Like it. I know why. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. But yeah, so like for whatever reason, he was able to easily get the co-pilot out of the cockpit. And then as soon as he's out, he can just lock the door and no one can get in because it's built to not let anybody in. Right. So now he can have control of the plane. He then depressurizes the plane, causing everyone in the plane to have hypoxia um, because they're going to run out of uh, air. Well, in the front of the plane, in the cockpit, they have a lot more air. Uh, available to them because they're the pilots. Like so, in an emergency, they're like want to make sure that the pilots don't pass out, right? So, like he could have had access to a lot longer duration of air while everybody else in the back passes out and eventually dies. There is even some evidence that they think that they, from the satellite uh, information, that maybe the plane could have actually increased altitude from thirty-five thousand feet to over forty thousand feet for a short period of time, and they think that if that was the case, that could have been to uh, hasten the effects of hypo- hypoxia on the passengers. Um, and then once that's done, then he everyone's dead. He can then just basically fly out over the Indian Ocean. Um, at one point he does do a weird bank where he turns over the island of Penang, which is apparently where he's from. Um, and the, he did like a wing tip. They could tell from some of the, I don't, I don't know how they figured that out. Like but, a salute? Yeah. Kind of like he was saying goodbye or something. Like a little, <laughs> like a little <laughs> airplane wink. Yeah, <laughs> a little wing tip uh, over Penang and then flew out over the Indian Ocean. Like, so then the, narwhal, the whole idea narwhal. is like, oh, he just flew until out of fuel, right? So once out of fuel, obviously the plane just 
the engine stop and the plane crashes. Well, then that goes back to the whole, well, if the plane crashed, then we should have found a debris field floating out there somewhere. But there's another guy who had a theory. He's like, okay, this is what I think happened is if he did all this, he gets to this point. He wants, so he, he dives the plane, gets down to a lower elevation, but he proved that you can actually regain control even without the engines and you can glide the plane. And so he could have glit, glitted the plane. Is that how you say it? Glitted? Glitted <laughs> the plane. And he glitted the plane in for a perfect landing. <laughs> what did you say? Glided? Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, okay. Glided is the correct term. <laughs> he glided the plane uh, until, yeah, he basically was forced to do a water landing. And if you do a water landing that way, it would be soft enough that it would it would like break the plane and harm the plane, but it wouldn't necessarily rip it up into a bunch of pieces. And so that could explain why like there were some pieces that were found washed ashore, but not very many. And then the plane would have basically stayed intact, but just eventually sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Not only that, gliding the plane like that would have put the plane 80 to 100 miles further which is going to be way outside of the zone that they're looking, they were looking for the plane in. So that would also explain why they couldn't find the plane. Mm. So mm. that is the theory that I think is the most probable personally. The super uh, dark theory though, if you think about it, like it is it's one thing to like kill yourself. It's not like you're almost like what's going on in your head. And you're like, I'm not going to kill myself, but I'm going to kill 237 other people with me or whatever. Like that's, what's crazy to me is like, you, I, that's what causes me to doubt it a little bit is I'm like, does he have tendencies of that in him? You know, like not just depression, but like almost a homicidal depression, yeah. you know, cause that's just so extreme to be like, Oh yeah, my wife left me. I guess I'll kill 230 people. Like maybe if he, if he felt like, so his wife left him, his mistress left him, his mistress's kids or whatever that he loved. So maybe if he felt like humanity in general was just like unkind to him. And yeah, I mean, maybe like, like, does that mean that he's, he felt bullied uh, all the time. I don't know. Like psychopathic, like, yeah. Like I it's mean, almost super just aimed yeah. at human beings in general because I, of that. Like I think typically I think typically you I don't know. I mean if you're suicidal, my guess is that most people are like personally suicidal and so they'll they'll find a way to kill themselves but not others at the same time, right? Yeah, because it's like uh, you you would have to have a complete like just an utter What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, disregard. No, no, yeah, disregard or no empathy whatsoever. Well, you guys are forgetting the how many mass shootings have we had in the United States where they just killed themselves in the end. No, I know that, but life. like most of the time with those mass shootings, when you go back and look at the person's stuff, you see that. You see the capacity oh, for that that yeah. that evil in there, but with him, you go back and he yes, he's but it took a, le- a little bit of deep diving to even find that he had that suicidal mm-hmm. tendency, let alone the tendency to want to take two hundred people. Now, I will agree with Danny; it's probably the most probable theory of them all, um, besides my theory, which I'm going to share right now with my background. Okay, so. and that was my final. 
Uh, question on all of this is what do you guys think like which is there one of those theories you guys buy into do you have your own theory well uh, we went through a lot of work to like take over the plane and everything you would think in the end he wouldn't just like kill himself by drowning it's like you got a whole plane use it and crash it you use it broski I'm having the Danny problem. I can't get my background to change. Don't just softly land it and then drown. Like, you could do that anywhere. Well, he may have put himself out, though, early on, and then, um, like, and then came back around. Like, he may have gassed himself and turned on autopilot after he had, like, pivoted the plane and then just basically rode it out on auto straight down. Because if you look at that map, it kind of, he does that U-turn, but then it pretty much just goes straight after that. So once he successfully did the U-turn, he might have just epoxifated himself or whatever it is, and then <laughs> epoxifated, <laughs> and then turned on autopilot and just whoop, cruised down till he ran out of gas. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Anyway, I mean, or <laughs> or maybe things get out of hand a little bit more than he expected, and he like hypoxis as Travis says, hypoxified uh, the entire plane. He realized he just killed like. 238 other people and then is like I can't go back home I'm just going to go to jail so I might as well just coast on out to the Indian Ocean and so you're saying he accidentally hypoxified everybody like he accidentally like depressurized the plane or something (laughs) (laughs) this is my theory at some point you look out the window of that plane (laughs) and there's a freaking gremlin on the wing out there Not at the wires. Taking them down. <laughs> so for anybody who's not watching this, Trav just brought up a screenshot of the episode he was talking about on um, Twilight. Twilight, Twilight Zone. Zone. I'll duck out of the way. My chair's there. And so it's, you can see him looking out the window at the gremlin on the wing. But <laughs> That's a pretty All creepy right. looking gremlin. It looks like it's like a, wearing a Russian hat. It's like got long hair. The hair reminds me of the guy in Ghostbusters too, like the little, uh, you know, the guy who does the painting eagle. Yeah. Like uh, there's like that scene where he comes dressed as the old woman. You remember with the, the yeah, idiot? It's like, the baby hair. like he flies in. That's that same hairstyle. I'm like pretty that. sure it's like pretty much lifted. But it also looks like it was like a gorilla suit that they're just like, we used this in a previous movie. We'll just put this on this guy. To oh yeah, that's act. definitely, those older shows are definitely reusing and sharing props. And stuff, <laughs> so, undoubtedly. All right. I don't know if uh, Trav Cole, did you have any theories? No. Which one did you think was the most likely? No, it's probably just the dude went nutso. But it just a lot of it doesn't make sense, but it makes the most sense, I guess. It's stupid. Yeah. But they still I don't haven't know. found it. I, I wonder if they're ever gonna find it. Just kidding. It, this is my theory. You look at my background. <gasps> so, oh, so you do believe that they landed on some island somewhere. Well, well if you actually watch Lost, then you won't then you'll actually know that they didn't land on <laughs> Or that even if they did, the island can't be like seen by normal things. So yeah, they had no like chance cloak? of getting off that island. <laughs> Let's, sure, Let's go with that. Yep. Let's do that. <laughs> so again, we need a whole podcast. We need a whole podcast to like walk through. So, so in the end, 
I'm coming around. I'm settling on the black hole. I knew yeah. you would. Just kidding. I'm like, <laughs> the moment that I wrote that down, I was already like, I already penciled in Alan next to that and one. Did you, did you pencil in 20 minute segment on black holes? <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Nope. 27 minutes. <laughs> I got it. And I would like to say congratulations to us for making up a new word, hypoxified, and then continuing to use it as if it's real. <laughs> we may have just Mandela affected some people. We were like, I swear that was a real word. I'm pretty sure hypoxificated is a word. <laughs> we're gonna go somewhere weren't you hypoxified uh, alright well I'm gonna bring us out now so uh, um, be sure to let us know what your guys' theory is I mean we'd like to know or do you believe it was the Asian um, Bermuda Triangle or was it something else that was just as dumb? Um, but anyway, let us know. Uh, this is the end of our of our conspiracies. So let us know which conspiracy you like the best. Yes, uh, we're going to have to come up with another four four segment series. Uh, we don't know exactly what that is yet. We've got some ideas, but uh, we will, of course, let you know when the time comes. But until then, keep tuning in every week to find out what we talk about <laughs> which could be who knows what uh, but we also have our bonus episodes which are of course danny's dreams which are pretty much kind of like what we just listened to i mean who knows what goes yeah, on in Danny's dream, and you never know where he ends up so but I mean, anyway I, i'm pretty sure my last dream that i had last night i was hypoxified <laughs> and so Look forward, Look, forward. <laughs> Look forward to that. Look forward to that one in like six months. Um, but anyway, catch us on our social media pages. Of course, you really can just Google it or just go on anything and just type in Q code. I don't have to listen to all, but uh, well, yes, podcast. podcast. Otherwise, you get that other Q code. Yeah, whoever they are. Uh, <laughs> and Look if you're one the of the two people, if you're one of the two people watching us on uh, YouTube, thank you. Nanu and uh, Manu. Nanu. <laughs> Nanu, Nanu. <laughs> so, thanks everybody for listening. Catch us next week. Peace.